Hello and thank you for joining us today for just some short time in the Word. Um, and I believe some of these things will just encourage you and strengthen you in your, uh, in your growth and your walk with God. Now, yesterday we were talking about our access to God's presence. And we've been building a few things over the last few days, helping us to understand some foundational truths that I believe will really help and encourage you in your walk with God. And uh, like I said yesterday, we talked about access. Uh, and if you've got access to something, that means you can go in. Uh, and we are shown in the Word of God that we have access to the Father. We have access to the throne room of God. We have access to God's presence. Now, some people, even though they know, well, yes, I've got access, they still struggle because they, they, they feel like if they've missed it, if they've gotten something wrong as a Christian, then maybe God's angry with them and God's upset with them. Now, if you feel like that, please go through the last few teachings because I'm trying to help people with this. Um, but there's still so many Christians that are under that sense of, of constant condemnation before God and almost feeling like God is angry and upset with them. And um, the first thing I want to say, and before I get into something specific I want to talk to today, I, I want to just say this. God does not expect you as a Christian to get it right, to get everything right, right away, all in one go. Sometimes people, Christians, feel a pressure, almost as if they become a Christian, and three weeks later, God expects everything in their life to have become totally godly and everything to have changed. And if it hasn't, God's all angry at them again. That's simply not the truth. God understands we are regrowing, and, and as we grow, we're going to mess them some things up. We're going to get some things wrong. Uh, that doesn't mean God rejects you and God says, right, you had one chance, you're out the door, get out, let's go find someone else, you can't come back anymore. No, we need to really understand and appreciate. There's some very hard messages being preached within Christianity that are, that are putting people under guilt and condemnation. And it's because we miss some of the foundational truths and, we miss, and we're not seeing some things. You know, I'm sure Peter is very grateful that Jesus worked with him, even though G Peter made a lot of mistakes. You know, Peter, Peter really did trip up, even to the point that he denied Jesus three times. <laughs> okay, And yet Jesus still had mercy on him and told him to go and feed his flock and raised him up into a position of leadership within, right at the start of the church. You know, over and over again, we, we, we see the kind of God who works with people, especially in the New Testament. Uh, some people just think that God's holding out of his presence. But I want you to understand this. God doesn't expect you to get everything correct right away. Now, yes, we should have a heart for God. We should want and desire to grow in God. We shouldn't just be using God as an opportunity to be hard and, and, and do whatever we want to do. But most Christians are not like that. Most Christians genuinely want to grow in God. And there might be areas in their life that they're struggling with and struggling to get on top of certain things and, they, and certain sins and certain things that they keep giving into and temptation. And they give in and then they give in again and then they give in again. And they eventually begin to feel God must be really angry with me because I keep giving in. Now, there's only one thing that really is going to help you grow as a Christian. And the Bible calls it the milk of the word. If you really want to grow and you want to get to a place where you get on top of things, you've got to grow. You can't do this in your own strength. Many Christians are trying to beat things in their own strength. And uh, you have to understand the strength to grow, the strength to overcome comes as you get in the milk of the word, as you feed on the truth of the word of God, and as you get into God's presence. 
Some Christians think that my failing is keeping me out of God's presence, and therefore I have to fix myself before I come into God's presence. Now, let me say this. It's only in God's presence that you're going to find the strength to change and grow. Now, if you can't come into God's presence because of your failings, then you're never going to get to the place that you need to be in order for His presence to sanctify and change you and cause growth in your life. So this idea that you can't come in and tell you perfect is, is not a New Testament mentality. God knows you need to get into his presence in order for Him to, his presence to begin to influence and change shape your life. So he knows that we need, to, we need a way whereby we can come into his presence while we are still imperfect and while we are still messing up. And, 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 and not feel like under the Old Testament we were being kept out because we had messed up. This is where the danger in Christianity is, where people base a lot of their doctrines on something said in the Old Testament, and they don't filter through the truth of the New Testament. The truth of the New Testament is come as you are. Get in his presence, get in his word, and he will help you grow. And if you trip up and you don't get it right the first time, you keep at it, you keep coming into his presence, and you'll grow. You'll get to the place where you overcome some things. But let me just, let me, I didn't intend to say that much today, but I think some Christians need to hear that. Now, let's get back to our access into God's presence. And I want to show you some truths uh, from the New Testament. Now, the first thing is that we know we've got access, but let's ask ourselves this question. When I come into God's presence, what kind of environment do I find there? Okay, what, what is it like? I don't just mean in the sense of the glory and the power and presence of God. I mean, is it a friendly environment or is it a hostile environment? You know, if, if, if you're going, just talk in the natural. If you're, if you're going into a hostile environment, you don't tend to go in relaxed and, and ready to, you know, like the same, like you're going to meet some friends. If, if you've messed up at work and you've maybe caused the cost your company a lot of money and your boss calls you into his office and you know he's angry with you. Well, when you go into his office, when you access his office, you, you feel tense on the inside, almost head hung low because you know you're going into a hostile environment. Okay. And many Christians feel they are going into a hostile environment when they go into God's presence. Now, let me show you what is actually happening in God's presence and what the Bible, the New Testament reveals you find when you get into his presence. First of all, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, In whom we have boldness and, and access with confidence through faith in him. Okay, now notice it talks about our access, but it also talks about we have boldness and, and it reemphasizes that and says confidence. It talks about when we access God's presence, we have confidence and boldness. Okay, now that truth of boldness is repeated a couple of times in, 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 the, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice it keeps talking about coming boldly. And some of you might have heard this, but I want you to listen to what I've got to say today. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That's three scriptures so far, all related to our access and our coming to God, which tell us to come boldly and, in a, and with a sense of confidence. Now let's go back to the illustration that I gave you a minute ago. If, you go, if your boss is upset with you at work, and you know you failed the company and, you, and he's considering firing you because you messed up. 
and, and he and he's angry and he's ready to, to, to throw you out the door and fire you out of that job. When you go into his office, he calls you into a meeting. You don't go in with boldness, with your head held high, like, whoa, hey, hey buddy, everything's great. You, you, you're going into a hostile environment and it's very difficult to be bold in that kind of environment. You know, so if you feel like you are going into a hostile environment in God's presence, you're going to have the boldness he tells you to have. That seems to me very unreasonable for God to tell us to come boldly if he knows we can't. If he knows, well, no, there's no way I can do that. And yet I'm going to keep telling them to do that. It seems a little bit unreasonable to me. The only reason God tells you to come boldly and to come confidently is because it's possible to do so. Now let's we read Hebrews four verse sixteen, and now let's let's look at the context of this verse because the context tells us about what kind of environment you're going to find in God's presence. Okay, some people think you can only come boldly if you've not sinned and you've, you're perfect. Actually, it's the opposite. The Bible shows us that even when you've missed it, even when you have missed the mark, it is possible to come boldly into God's presence. How? By knowing what kind of environment you're going to find in God's presence. How, what, what is it like? What is it like in the throne room and before God when you've sinned? Does it suddenly become hostile and angry? Let's see what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, which is what I read a moment ago, says this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. And it, it, I'm not teaching on this right now, that it says that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That shows you what, what you're going to get when you get there. You're going to get anger and judgment. It says when you come to the throne room of grace, you're going to get mercy. It is a throne of mercy and grace. Okay, But that's not the focus of my teaching right now. I want to look at something else. But he, 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 Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly. Notice that word, therefore. In other words, it's connecting this coming boldly to something he's just said in the preceding verses. He has told you something that enables this boldness. So let's look at what he says. That was verse 16. Let's go to verse 14. And verse 14 says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Now, in fact, if you just take out all the bits in between, and, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not doing this to take from the word of God, but I want to show you the core sentence here. Verse 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest, verse 16, yes, therefore come boldly. What enables that boldness is knowing something about my high priest. And, and where is my high priest? He tells you in verse 16, he says, who has passed through the heavens. In other words, he's in the throne room of God. In the very throne room of God, there is, there is a high priest. Now, I'm going to talk very briefly about what he's doing for you as your high priest and what kind of environment he is making sure you find in the throne room of God. There's information. The Bible reveals this to us. So let's talk about our high priest. See, when I go to the throne room of God, Jesus is there. The Father is there. Now, what's Jesus doing? What's his role there? Every time I sin, does Jesus just become hostile and angry at me? Okay, let's look at his role, his purpose in the throne room. Now, once some of you might know the scripture, I don't have this, the, this right in front of me right now. But there's one scripture that says that he ever makes, he, he, he's ever making intercession for us. See, Jesus did a work at the cross. 
and, and, and he paid the price for our sins. And then he went down, he sat down at the throne room of God. And people often say, well, that's because his work is finished. Yes, his work on earth is finished. He still has a role to play in the throne room. And that role is the intercessor on your behalf. That role is your high priest. In God's presence right now, he represents you as your high priest and he intercedes. Now, if you know anything about intercession, you'll know that an intercessor, the purpose of an intercessor is to plead for mercy for those who deserve judgment. An intercessor speaks up on the behalf of those who should get judgment, and but instead an intercessor prays for mercy. God have mercy on them. Now, I've got an intercessor in the throne room. His name's Jesus. He's my high priest. When I miss it, when I fail, when I mess up, he is speaking up on my behalf, pleading for the mercy of God. And he points at his blood and he points at the work he does at the cross. And he says, for my work at the cross already paid the price. The blood I shed already paid the price. Now, this is amazing news because, you know, who better to watch over his work than Jesus? He's the one who paid the price to purchase your, your salvation. He then is put in a position where he watches over what he purchased in order to make sure it's fully carried out in your life. That is amazing. There is no better person who to stand up on your behalf in the throne room of God than Jesus, because he knows what price he paid to get you into the throne room in the first place. And he's not going to devalue his own blood and the price he paid and just throw you out of the throne room. Everything he did, he did for you. And he's going to make sure it's fully honored in your life. He speaks to the Father on your behalf. In fact, he's on your side. Now, let's, let me just do this just two or three minutes before we close this. I want to show you a couple of things the Bible tells us about the high priest. First of all, we're in Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says, it's just, uh, sorry, verse 14, it just says we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. But verse 15 gives you some information about this high priest. It says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, yes, he beats, yes, he beat temptation, he beats sin. However, he knows what it's like to be tempted. And just because he beat it, he also, he's able to sympathize and he knows how, how that, that, that it's not always the easiest thing to beat. So the first thing is your high priest is able to sympathize with your weaknesses. He knows what it's like. And in fact, it's in context of that verse that it then says, come boldly. It's talking about your weaknesses. It's talking about being tempted and sin and what we face. And in that context, it then says, come boldly. Why can I come boldly? Because my, my high priest in the throne room of God is sticking up for me. He knows what it's like to face the pressures I face. Let me tell you just in two or three seconds here, a minute, a couple of other things we're told about our high priest. Just after this, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1, it's only two or three verses after what I've just read. It says, uh, it says every high priest is taken from among men. And the reason they come from among men is because they, so that they can relate to man and they know what it's like to be a man. That's why Jesus became a man. He can relate to you. Verse 2 says this, talking about the high priest. That high priest can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. 
It's giving us some information about the high priest and his role. He's able to have compassion. Is he angry? No, he has compassion. Why? Uh, sorry, on who does he have compassion? Says those who are ignorant and also those who are going astray. That word going astray means missing the mark, drifting off the path. He has compassion on those who are drifting off the path. And he's your high priest and he's in the throne room. Okay, so he doesn't just abandon you when you when you stay off the path. He is there for you when you stray off the path. It's part of his role as a high priest. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter two, verse 17 says this, calls him a merciful and faithful high priest. He's merciful. Is he angry? Is he ready to judge? No, mercy is the opposite of judgment. You either judge people or you have mercy on them. What kind of high priest is he? In the throne room, he is a merciful high priest. He, 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 and again, it goes on and talks about the sins of the people in that verse. His mercy directly relates to you missing it and getting off the mark. This is good news, people. This is amazing. Let me end on this one verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. 1 John chapter, well, in fact, uh, yeah, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Now, I'm not going to get because I've only got a minute or so left. I'm not going to get to cover every truth in this verse, but I want to point out the, the bit that relates to Jesus himself. It says, uh, so I'm pulling out a phrase from verse one. It says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Man, that's a good truth. An advocate. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. What's an advocate? Well, in fact, it's amazing because the word advocate there is the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit, the parakletos. Many people know the Holy Spirit is with us and in us as our parakletos. They don't realize we also have a parakletos in the throne room, in the very presence of God, advocating on our behalf. He's on your side. An advocate is different to an accuser. An accuser comes at you and accuses you. An advocate sticks up for you. So what is it like in the throne room of God? We have an advocate sticking up for us when we go astray and when we miss the mark. We have someone speaking up on our behalf in the very presence of God. He turns to the Father and he is your defender and speaks up for you. And he points at his blood and he says, my blood has already been laid right there, Father God, in the very presence and the very holy of holies in heaven itself. And he reminds us, the, the Father, of the power, the eternal, forever power of his blood and what it achieved for you. So you're not going up into a hostile environment. You're going into an environment where your high priest is on your side. Now, and with that knowledge, you are able to go in with confidence and boldness. Because you're not just going in to try to stick up for yourself in there. You're going in and knowing Jesus has already and is already sticking up for you in God's presence. Wow, that's some good news right there. That'll help you in your access. That'll help you as you come before God, knowing you can come confidently, knowing you have access into a welcoming environment in the presence of God. Trust that blesses you today. And we're going to be back. We do these daily ones Monday to Friday. Today's Friday. So we'll be back Monday with these daily teachings. And I'm just endeavoring to give people some, some of the foundational milk of the word because it'll help you grow. If you're a young Christian, I encourage you to get into these. This will really help you in your Christian life. Also on Sunday nights 
at seven o'clock UK time, I do some teaching on healing. So you're welcome to join us for those. But otherwise, thank God that you have a blessed weekend. His hand is upon you. And we'll see you again shortly for some more.